bless you. A bless Anna this morning, Lord God. Um, anoint her, fill her with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Use her for your glory, Lord God. You've set her apart for these purposes. Thank you. She's walking in them, Lord God. We receive of her, Lord God. Receive of her gift and receive of what you've placed into her today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, everybody. I have to say, that's one of my favorite songs, uh, The Potter's Hand. It's one of my all-time favorite worship songs. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you just use me, Lord, and Father, for the glory of you, Lord, and for the glory of your kingdom, O oh God. And Father, I give myself into your hands right now, Father, and that you would just use me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this morning I'm going to be speaking on um, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, and this was the, the Bible study from Wednesday. Uh, we did this in a home church Wednesday night. And I have to say, it was like having a, fi- a five-course meal. There's just so much in 1 Corinthians 15 that I was actually full walking out. I was like, wow. Do you know, you know that type when you sit down and you eat and you have to open the jeans? Like, that type. But it was spiritual fullness. So, and in, in chapter 15, Paul is discussing and he's dealing all about the resurrection because somewhere along the way, the church of Corinth began to doubt that we, that they, or we, will rise with Jesus. You see, they didn't doubt that Jesus was risen. They knew and they believed that Jesus was risen. But somewhere along the way, they just forgot that, no, we're going to resurrect with him. And they didn't believe and they didn't understand it. And Paul starts off the chapter by saying to them, now listen, I want to remind you the gospel that I preached you but first time. And it's on the gospel that you stand. It's on this gospel that you're saved. You see, this is the gospel that transformed your life and set you free. And you need to hold firm onto this gospel. You need to hold firm onto the word of God and believe everything about it. Grab hold, let it go deep into your soul, right into your bones, right into the very core of your being. You see, he tells them, whatever I seen or whatever I heard from the Lord, I passed it on to you. I didn't keep anything back for myself. I didn't say, Lord, bless me, my foreign no more. It was whatever the Lord gave to me, I passed on to you. He says, I didn't learn this from man, and I didn't learn it from studying books, but I learned it from the Lord himself. And he tells us this in Galatians as well. In Galatians 1, he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here he is in both of these books saying that everything he received, he received from Jesus. See, Paul is saying that your belief and your faith is not based upon opinions, it's not based upon feelings, and it's not based upon the opinions of others, but it's based upon facts. And the fact is that Jesus was crucified. The fact is that Jesus did die on the cross. And the fact is that Jesus did rise again. You see, it's not a story, it's not an opinion, it's a fact. And we know that nobody actually seen the resurrection take place. There was nobody in the tomb with Jesus when he woke up from the dead, when he began to remove the grave clothes. There was no one there with him. But we do know that the women went down because they wanted to finish off the, um, the embalming and the anointing of the spices that they'd done on the bodies back then. And we know when they got to the tomb that they were, meet, they were met by angels and the angels said, what are you doing here? Like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's already risen. 
And Paul tells them that the proof that Jesus resurrected was that he appeared to Peter. That he, he appeared to the rest of the disciples. That Jesus ate with them. He had breakfast on the beach with them. He comforted them. He told them to wait for the Holy Spirit to empower them. And then he commanded them to go out and preach the word. To preach that this very word that Paul was preaching to them. He told them Jesus appeared to over 500 people. And he appeared to his brother James. And if you remember back then, Jesus' brothers didn't really believe who Jesus was. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. They thought he's just off his head. He's just one of us. But after that, we read in Acts that James becomes a leader of the church. So something happened after the resurrection. Something happened to James when Jesus appeared to him again. And Paul says, after all of that, he appeared to me. Me, the one who's not worthy, the one who doesn't deserve a visit from him, the one who persecuted the church, who went out trying to kill them all, Jesus appeared to me. Well, I'm just a nobody. I'm the least of the least. And yet, he appeared to me. You see, because God, in his grace and in his mercy, he's seen different. And that's why he appeared to me. Paul says, it's by the grace of God that I am who I am. He, said, he says, I'm no longer that person that's lost and caught up in the traditions of religion. I'm no longer the person going out hunting down the people of God and t- trying to terrorize them. But now by God's grace, you see, now I have a heart for the people. Now I believe who God is. Now who I know who Jesus is. And now I'm out there encouraging, edifying the body. And everything that Jesus reveals to me, I reveal to you. He's saying, I won't hold it back for myself. I'll give it all. Everything that Jesus gives, I'll share with everybody. And Paul gives all the credit and all the glory to God for the transformation in his life. You see, he says, it's nothing to do with me. I done nothing. I was a filthy sinner. I was out trying to kill these people. And Jesus appeared to me. So he transformed my life. It was his grace. And when you look up the spiritual meaning of grace, it means the the spontaneous, unmerited gift of divine saviour in the salvation of sinners. A spontaneous, unmerited gift of divine favour. That's what grace is. That's what it is when God pours his grace on us. It's an unmerited gift he just gives. It's not that you have to do something to receive his grace. He just gives. It's spontaneous. And Paul says to them, you know, to believe the word, you have to believe all of the word. Not just the little parts that we know, well, Lord, the Lord's going to bless us and the Lord has a plan and a future from us and this is great and, you know, the Lord is going to set us free. But we have to believe the part where he rebukes us. We have to believe the part where he challenges us and corrects us. You see, to believe the word of God is to believe all of the word of God and not just the part that we want to hold on to ourselves. And in chapter 15, Paul is constantly, constantly declaring that the resurrection is true. He said all of these witnesses were there, all the women, Peter, James, me, over 500 people. If it wasn't true, what are we doing here? Why why are we here if there was no resurrection? He says in verse 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. 
So if he's saying if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then your faith is useless. There's no good of you. It's no good to have any faith. Because you're only believing and trusting in a man that's dead. You're believing in a great man that went out and, showed up and shared amazing stories and did miracles, but he died. You see, if he didn't rise, that's what you're believing. You're believing that this man is still in the grave. If there is no resurrection, then today we can say that Jesus is dead. And if there was no resurrection, then there's no forgiveness in the blood. There's no need for us to be taking communion because he's dead. There's no payment or redemption for our sin. He's not able to save us. He's not able to bring us back to the Father if he wasn't raised from the dead. You see, if he wasn't raised, then everything that we believe is a farce. It's a lie. It's a false teaching. And Paul is telling us, this is something that you don't believe in. If there is no resurrection, what's the point of us coming to Jesus and surrendering our lives to us? Because he won't be able to change us. What's the point in praying for people to be healed, to be delivered? What's the point of praying for a renewing of your mind, for your bodies to be healed? What's the point in coming to church every week so we can stay, sit here and listen to Rob sing a few nice songs and hear someone waffle out of him for about 20 minutes? That, that's it. Like, if we don't believe in Jesus and we don't believe the resurrection and we don't believe that we're going to resurrect with him, what is the point of coming here? You see, if there's no resurrection, then death has power over Jesus. And he tells us that nothing has power over him. He tells us that his name is greater than everything. So if death has power over Jesus, well then Jesus is not God. If there is no resurrection, and then the Bible that we read every day is a lie, or it's just a nice fictional story that we can just sit down and discuss about every Wednesday. Did you read that in that book? What did you think of that? It's just fictional. If the resurrection was just for Jesus alone and not for us, again, what is the point? For Jesus to say, hey, look at me, look what I can do. I can rise from the dead. Well, you're all going to the grave and staying there. To see there's no value, there's no purpose if we can't resurrect with him. And Paul says to the church in Corinth, okay, so you believe that Jesus was resurrected, but only for him. So where does that leave you? What does that do for you if it's only him who's resurrected? You see, if we don't resurrect with Jesus, there's nothing for us to look forward to. There's no hope of us seeing our loved ones that have went home before us. There's no need for our names to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If there's no resurrection for us, then everything God said is a lie. There'll be no new heaven, there'll be no new earth, There'll be no way for us to stand against and overcome sin and the devil. We won't have to overcome them because there'll be no more judgment. We, so we can just go on living. We can do what we want to do, not worrying about who we're hurting, who we're abusing. We can just stay in our filthy lives of shame and guilt. We can go around continuing to wear grave clothes because we have no hope, we have no joy, we have no love, and we have no life. The Paul says in verse 32, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And the message translation puts it this way, If there's no resurrection, we eat, we drink, the next day we die, and that's all there is to it. And unfortunately, the sad thing is, there's a lot of people out there 
that believe that's all there is that you live you die and that's it no more you're gone that's it we see us as the people of God we've been singing about him we've shared communion with him we've sat at the table with him we know the truth you see we know that he rose from the dead so he defeated the grave we know that he conquered death so we so he could make a way for us to rise with him again See, he showed us, when he rose from the dead, he showed us that there was nothing that can hold him back. No one can hold him back. But where did the church of Corinth get this teaching from? You see, they got their teaching from Paul in the beginning. So where along the line, what happened that they began to believe, well, we're just going to die and that's it. Nothing else is going to happen to us. Where did this all come from? The scholars say that they got this idea from listening to the Sadducees, who were the Jews that never believed in the resurrection. Or they got it from listening to pagan Greek philosophy. And see, that's why it's so important for us today to know who speaks into our lives. That's why it's so important to get grounded in a church that preaches all of the word of God, not just the nice bits, but all of it. That's why it's important to be involved in a church where the Holy Spirit is allowed to move freely. That's not just an opinion or a feeling, but it's a fact that the Spirit of God moves within our church. You see, if we don't allow the Spirit of God move among us and among our church, we can just be sitting anywhere because it's a dead church. There's no life. You see, we need the Spirit to have life. And Paul says in verse 33 and 34, this is the Passion Translation. It says, Stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. Come back to your right senses and awaken to what is right. Repent from your sinful ways, for some have no knowledge of God's wonderful love. So he's saying to them, You already know the truth. I've already pre- preached the truth to you. You already know the knowledge of the love of God. I've already revealed and shared everything that Jesus gave to me. So stop listening to the rubbish. Stop listening to them, others that's trying to give you a different teaching. Don't allow them to speak into your life. Don't give them a platform in your church. You need to come back to your senses. You need to wake up and smell the coffee. You need to repent. Stop believing the lie. There is a resurrection for us. We need to turn back to God. You see, Paul knew, and we know, that we can never go too far away from God, that he can't reach us. You know that song we sing, um, There's no wall he won't kick down. There's no lie he won't tear down. You see, there's nothing, there's no mountain that he won't climb just to get us back into a relationship with him. There's no lie that he will not tear down off our lives. There's no pit too deep. There is no chain too strong. There is no heart that has gone too hard that he cannot soften. There was one chain that God can never break. And I heard um, a preacher, do you remember Evan and Bob, we're here a while ago, Bob spoke this. There's only one chain that God cannot break. And that's the chain of no surrender. That's the only chain that he won't break. Because, see, he'll never make you repent. He'll never make you come to him. He'll never make you surrender unto him. That's our choice. And that's our choice alone. But you see, when we do, it's the grace of God that pours out. It's that spontaneous, unmerited gift that he pours out that we can stand and say, I am who I am. 
Yeah, I once was that, but now I'm this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. I once was deaf, but now I hear God speak to me. You see, if we truly believe God, we have to believe everything, that there is a resurrection for us. And further down in the end of chapter 15, Paul says, I'm going to tell you something amazing. I love this. Verse 51. Listen, I'll tell you with mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Imagine Paul saying to the church, listen, listen, I'm going to tell you something absolutely amazing. I'm going to tell you this mystery, and it's going to blow your mind. Imagine him pulling the church in together and saying, come on, move in. Don't be sitting down the back on your own. Move in. Come on. All of you move in. All huddle up together. This is amazing. Listen, I have an amazing fact, mystery. I have an amazing thing I'm going to tell you. Move in. He says in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will all be changed. You see, Paul is pulling them all in together. He's saying, listen, Listen, grab hold of this. This is the best and the most exciting news that you're going to hear. This is going to be such an exciting thing to happen on the earth. Listen, this is the mystery. We're not all going to be asleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. See, Paul is saying there's a change coming. Not all being asleep means not all of us are going to die. That there will be a generation that will see the transformation happen. There will be people walking down the road, in church, sunbathing on the beach, when the Lord comes back and they're transformed. In the twinkling of an eye, there will be a generation, but we don't know what generation it's going to be. But they will be given new bodies, they'll meet Jesus in the sky, in a blink. Like how, how fast is a blink? That's about 50. In a blink, a millisecond. That's how fast Jesus appears Riding, riding through the sky. Imagine, imagine being on earth and seeing that. And these people in Jesus rising up from the grave. Wow. See, these bodies that we have, they will be gone. But we will be with Jesus. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more tiredness or weakness or aches or pains. We won't have to live in these bodies that let us down, that rot, that decay. We'll have a new body. Paul said the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised. You see, he told them Jesus was already risen. But it's not only for him. The resurrection is for us too. You see, Jesus rose so we can rise. So we can live in paradise. We'll spend an eternity with him. Imagine being in a graveyard when Jesus comes back. Or imagine walking past the graveyard when Jesus comes back. And the grave opening. I'm telling you, what's your man... Stephen King, he wouldn't be able to create a film like it. The graves are open and there's all the people of Jesus coming up, new, perfect bodies rising up to meet him in the sky. I don't know if I want to see that. and I don't know if it would be a bit freaky on it, but it'd be amazing. But he says the trumpet has sounded. See, the trumpet has a beautiful sound if it's played right. My dad used to play the trumpet. And I, re- I remember as a kid listening to my dad down, down the hall playing the trumpet and sometimes it would be like low and soft and like a sadness about it. 
But then there'd be other times where it'd be playing or where it'd be loud and joyous and, and just happy and you just want to go in and dance in the room with them. See, the trumpet is an instrument that was used for many things. It was used to let people know there's going to be an announcement being made. It was a sign of a warning, a sign of alert. During the battles, the trumpet would be sounded to encourage the soldiers to go forward. And at the end then, the trumpet was sounded because it was a sound of victory and a sound of honor. And here Paul tells us the trumpet has been sounded. And everybody will hear. Everybody will hear in an instant. Imagine walking down the road. You hear the trumpet. I can't even do the trumpet. Well, imagine hearing that noise in a blink. It was saved. We see the mystery that Paul is talking about. He says, he says, see the mystery. He didn't have all the details, and we don't have all the details. We see it will take place. The resurrection of us will take place. We will be changed. The mystery is that it's not only for a few good people, but it's for all of us in Christ. The mystery is whether you're alive or dead when it happens, we'll see it. So whether we're here or we're already gone, we're going to see it. The mystery is no matter where you are in the world, everybody will see it at the same time. How that works, I have no idea, but that's the mystery. Everybody's going to see it. And the mystery is that nobody, nobody knows the exact time, only the Father. See, the resurrection of Jesus gives us a hope that the world can't give because it hasn't got it to give. It's a hope that we will be resurrected. When Jesus returns, every believer, living and dead, will be transformed into glorious bodies. You see, death defeats every earthly thing. It kills, it undoes everything. Death takes away beauty, takes away hope, takes away breath. It brings sadness, it brings grief, it brings loss, it brings a final end, it brings no future and no life. And you can have all the money in the world, but death can still come for you. You can have all the knowledge or the charm or charisma, all the wisdom and the love that the world can offer, but death will still come and meet you someday. You see, death is unbeatable, or is it? Is it unbeatable? You see, in the natural, yes, it is. In the physical, yes, it is, because these bodies will rot and will die. But you see, we already know someone that has defeated death. You see, Jesus defeated the grave, and through his death and resurrection, he conquered the grave, he conquered Hades, he conquered sin, he conquered death. And the scripture tells us that those who trust and follow him will defeat it too. See, resurrection is not a new life, or it's not a life after death. Resurrection is a continuation of life. So the life that we're living here, worshipping God, praising God, doing everything we can for him, it's continued on. It's not you come to an end and you start a new life. It's continued on. But we do it in a better place. We do it in a place of perfection. We do it in a place where there's nothing to distract us. When our eyes are just fixed on him. The trumpet is sound. It declared victory. And see, we might be in a battle right now. We might be going through the wars. And we might be struggling. We see Jesus has already won the battle. He's already won the war. Not only the battle. And so we can say, grave, where are your chains? Death, where is your sting? 
Where is your victory? Because we know a king that has already conquered you. We know the king that has already defeated you. And you have no hold and no power over him. The trumpet has sounded. Your time is up. Death, your time is up. The resurrection of Jesus has brought life, has brought hope, has brought a future. And has brought the truth that we will live and reign with him forever. See, we can stand and declare by the grace of God. By the spontaneous, unmerited gift of the divine favor in the salvation of this sinner. That I can stand and say, I am who I am. I am set free. I am forgiven. I am alive in Christ. And I will be resurrected with him. I just felt at the end of this that um, we just stand and worship God. We're going to play a song in a minute. But if you just stand and if you just, if you can just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you, if they don't mind. And just pray for that person, whatever the Lord feels you to pray. If they're in a battle right now, just pray for them. That he has already won the war. If you're struggling to believe every word of Jesus right now, pray that the Lord would reveal everything. And Father, we just thank you, Lord. And we just thank you, Jesus, that Father, you are the potter, Lord, and we are the clay, Lord. And Father, you create us and you mold us in whatever way you see fit, O God. And thank you, Jesus, that we came to your table today, Lord. And we could celebrate and join with you in communion, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, for the resurrection of your death, O God. That, Father, through your resurrection, O God, that, Father, the grave has no hold on us. That, Father, us as children of you, Lord, that we too will be resurrected with you. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that we would know who speaks into our lives, O God. And, Father, we would believe every word that comes from your word, O God. Father, don't let us be the church of Corinth, O God, where we believe only half of the story. But, Father, let us believe all of it, Lord.